What's poppin'? We back with another performance talk episode, and you already know I get FIA girly Denny up in the house. You know what I'm saying? That one and queen on Mercedes platform over there on Twitter running it up. How you doing, Denny? Hello, thanks for having me. It's been actually a while since we had a chat, and then you've been so busy. It's so nice to be back. How are you doing? I'm doing great, just grinding as always, always yeah. sticking to it. I see you doing great though, too. I, I see you was with greatness though. <laughs> I was, I was actually, it was such a nice experience. And I think for you to like grow a page and to dedicate like a lot of your time to representing someone and then being able to just be in the same space as that someone is, right. is insane. It was surreal. So how did you even, how did you even come about to find yourself in such a wonderful predicament? I think it's a lot of like, FIA girly is starting to slowly become known and she's able to like knock on doors and I'm able, she, cause I feel like FIA girly is like a personality of her own. Right. But with her, I'm able to just knock on doors and present myself as, look, this is what I do. This is the work that I'm able to, to offer. And these opportunities usually just come cause people do appreciate craft and like the F1 world is it's broad in the sense of there's so many fans and you can't grasp how many people actually watch the sport, but it's so little in terms of who's actually watching you. And for as much as we think there's no one really watching, people are watching, like teams are seeing you, what's happening in social media, what you do. And, and the yeah. more visibility you have, the easier it is for you to go and say, I'm this person. They're like, oh yeah, we know of you. And so these opportunities usually come like that. And so it's just like, this moment is just being grateful that I even have a platform to be able to do that. And so it's a, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of, hey, I'm gonna play a girly. Come on in. Yo, I gotta congratulate you on that because you put a lot of work into that and built that up. And I know you received a lot of criticism. You, you're still gonna receive criticism. And hey, it's all it's gonna happen. Yeah. But even even with that being the case, you've grown. Like I've watched you grow since I've known you to where you are now. And I'm like, that is ridiculously awesome to see you like flourishing. So I'm very proud of you. I'm very happy for you. I congratulate you all the way on that. That's so appreciated. And I know that you were definitely one of the first people to like hold out your hand and be like, look, if you need a shoulder, like I'm here. And I appreciate right. that a lot because it's not every day that you get that kind of support, especially when you don't know people online. It's so easy for you to just run off of something and be like, oh yeah, this is such a horrible person. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna follow it. And I'm glad that I was able to push through it, but I know that a lot of what I was able to do was because of the people that I had around and people that said, look, it happens. It happens to the best of us. And there's no one person that's going to make it big without having this much criticism, criticism on them. And so I absolutely thank you for even allowing me in your space and telling my story and being like, look, you're going to be great one day. So let's make sure you, you focus on that rather than focusing on negativity. Cause I could have just been like, I'm done. It's over. I can't do it. I can't come back from this, but bouncing back was probably one of the best things that I did. And I'm, I'm happy I'm here today. You're stronger because of it. <laughs> Is it? And, exactly. So let's pop into some of these topics. Let's talk about these uh these rookies and, and yeah. just the rookie atmosphere as it is, as I think it's really changed now. Mm -hmm. uh, it, to, to me, Nick DeVries cut a bit shorter than I would have thought as a rookie, not given yeah. time. But, of course, he's with Red Bull, and I think Red Bull have proven that, you know, they use their farm team, AlphaTauri. If you're not 
if you're not giving them what they want right then and there, they have the luxury, unlike other teams, to just kind of catch and release without affecting the main team. But do you think that the new or the most recent performance of Oscar and Liam even coming in four races doing what he's done has put a beaming light on the most recent American driver on the grid as of right now? Like, and I do mean in the hot seat, Logan Sargent, not. I call him Logan Sargent, not because he's not in charge of nothing right now. So what do you think? Um, I think it's it's damning to see someone come in after so much fight because it wasn't easy to get Logan in that seat. It was a lot of the super license and the FIA accepting it. And I think Williams put a lot on the driver, put a lot, they bet a lot on someone and said, we need this driver. We think he's going to be great. I think it came after he did his testing in, in the United States, obviously. And so for him to come and now be a detriment to the team in the sense because i know james wells came out and said look our development is slowly shifting into costs that we didn't account for because of so many crashes i think it's horrible that um they put so much fight into getting the driver that now is i want to say i don't want to say he's he's bad at what he does but he needs time and then mm. obviously as you said you're comparing it to people that came in and said we're wiping the floor with it, right? You're seeing all the Yashi and as <laughs> soon as you got the car, he was up there and now he's scoring points and podiums and fighting right. Red Bull and literally putting it almost on pole. Did he who got a pole? Was it Lando? Yeah, yeah uh, thank you. Lando got a pole. Right. A, a pole. Okay, so he's he's up there and he's matching his teammate and he's able to make decisions about strategy and make strategy calls that actually are of a benefit to his race. And then you see Liam, obviously he's, he didn't get a seat for next year, but he is proving himself in the sense that everyone is outraged that he's not getting the seat, right? And everyone's asking, why is he not getting the opportunity? Why are you bringing oh, back man. someone that is probably not the the person that's going to build the team? You need rookies. You, you know what I'm saying? And so for you to vouch for someone so hard for the media to vouch for Liam is because he came in and he did his thing. And so I think it's very unfortunate for Logan um maybe i would like to maybe go back a bit to how they're built so okay. I know oscar was invested in a lot by alpine so he was doing the testing and he was doing the the young driving program he was riding around in the cars and alpine so he does have that experience in the f1 car and the red bull academy also is a very strong academy that is one of the best academies that you could have your junior in to build someone into coming to um formula one so i have a feeling that there is a bit of more experience for both oscar and um and liam for instance maybe a bit more than, than logan had i'm not sure how well the williams driving program um invests in these drivers because i do know he did the testing in 2022 in the united states but then what more is there for these drivers what other resources are there because obviously you're fighting against the red bull academy who's been there for years and who has brought upon one of the greatest drivers that you've seen, right? And so it's unfortunate that he's in this situation, but then it's a cut for a sport. What can you say? What can you do? And now <laughs> we see what his faith is. So I'll tell you what, because you said something that was very, you, you, you mentioned something from the other two that is very different from what we may or may not know in detail about Logan and that's the yeah. experience from the junior team all the way up. Yeah. But then we also have something to kind of use as a standard that 
had that experience plus some in Nick DeVries, his resume coming in a Formula One was very stout right. from all other racing series, from Formula E champion. He just had it. And then he gets in and he's gone. So what are your feelings or your opinion, should I say, on the situation with Nick DeVries and them cutting him loose? I think prematurely. But what do you say about that? I don't know. I think with Nick, for me, it was a bit of a tricky situation because I, for some reason, I had blocked out the fact that he's 28. Yes. And so I found out he's 20. I was like, whoa, maybe that was already a lot of time because when someone is as mature, like pushing 30, as we'd say, you kind of expect them to already have a grasp of it. Like your reaction time needs to be good. You need to be at the forefront of it from the get-go because if you're not, then it's only downhill from there because obviously the older you get, the more training you need, the harder your recovery is. And all those factors that come with age, which we've seen with other drivers, like you need to put in a lot more work. And so for you to be closer to 30 than you are to 20, and not getting in terms with the car as fast as it as maybe a team would like you to and you would probably like it as well as a driver um i think it's a lot of work for you to be called i mean you are a rookie but at the same time can you get rookie treatment as in oscar is still young and you can still hold him and say well he still has a great career ahead of him but then if you're 30 in two years you're 32, you're 35, and then you're closer to the age of retirement than you are of the age of being developed. Prime. prime. Um, I kind of see that as as it is, is the fact that, yes, he was a rookie and maybe he did need more time, but then how much time can you give to someone that is, you know, going in the yeah. direction of slowly slowing down and slowly coming to terms of maybe this isn't a sport that I can be great at because if you think about it it's not that these teams are equipped to be world champions i doubt someone in an alpha tower is gonna be a world champion one day maybe if the regulations change right but these teams still want to be at the forefront these teams still want to be in the point system and they do mm -hmm. believe they have drivers to that they're going to give them like p5 p6 because there's this famous thing that we call battle best of the rest Right. So these teams still want to be there. So Alpine, AlphaTauri, they're still fighting to be, if they're not obviously top three, they want to be top four, top five. And that's where their bonuses lie. That's where the sponsorships lies. That's where they get themselves in. That's what their their vision is when they come into the season. And so I think it's so risky for you to get a driver that is so well old, let's say that, because Formula One, you kind of get in when you're so young, right? And right. you get the opportunity to still develop. Oh my gosh, he's still very young. And so you come in already old because of your CV, let's say that, because of your portfolio, because they're thinking, wow, a Dutch champion and Formula E and all these cars that he's driven, of course he has experience. So let's put him in because he's going to help the other teammate who was obviously Yuki. But then he didn't deliver that. And if you're not delivering that, at an age where you're not able to be sat down and said, well, look, you have a bright career still. We're still going to, because most of his career already happened, which is great for him because his accolades are amazing. And you can talk about Nick DeVries in such a positive light to say, look, this is a champion. It didn't work for him in Formula One, but he doesn't erase the rest of his career. Right. It so happened that his career already happened. And then when he transitioned to Formula One, it wasn't the best. Right, he wasn't able to do that. So I understand Alfatari saying this isn't for us because they're already in the midfield. 
and they're already fighting for something that is so hard to get, right? They're already mm -hmm. at that. And so why am I going to waste resources and time by trying to build someone? I need someone with experience. And maybe that's why they even signed that Elric Carter because they want something right now. They can't bet on young people that probably still need a lot more time and still need a lot more, you know, holding and culling. The coddling. Exactly. So I think it's unfortunate. Yes, he's a champion and all of that, but yeah. <laughs> he wasn't performing. He wasn't performing and he, <laughs> he needed, oh, man. you know. Then he rough. Right, you nice, you nice rough with that one. Yeah. <laughs> I think but I I will criticize Alvatari for the Daniel Rick signing. I will criticize right. him for that. I just right. I, I think even though they jumped from Nick to Danny Rick, it really didn't yield much more than they were. And plus, we got we if we're gonna treat Nick like that, we gotta treat Danny like that because Danny had his time in Formula One plus three teams making damn yeah. four when he went to Alvatari. Technically, you know so. Yeah. You know, yeah. from Red Bull to Renault to McLaren, boom, to Alvatar, your junior team. So I think he has to get the same criticism or level of judgment. But yeah. then they get they stumble on Liam because Danny Rick literally breaks himself in the third race by not letting go of the steering wheel as he should have, as he should have been trained to do, knowing that that whip is going to come. And it definitely did. And, and fortunately, hopefully he recovers. But with all that being said, there's somebody else that, they also deserve some criticism in a team where we know there's no faulty play. We know that they're going to get the most support, respect, because his dad owns the team. And that's Lance Stroll. He is yeah. drastically underperforming. And I believe the only saving grace for him is because his dad owns that team. But I got to ask you this. Do you think that that's to a fault? At some point in time, does Aston Martin as an organization say, this relationship that you have with your son is keeping us from being successful with two cars because we've already seen the other driver collect seven podiums. And now we have Lance consistently out of points, maybe not making it into Q3 and several races that he's not finished. So how do you feel about Lance Stroll's occupation of that seat at Aston Martin and Felipe in the wings being behind him? Oh. I remember talking to a friend about Aston Martin at some point, and I was like, oh, it's such a shame that Aston Martin only has a f one free seat because we know the other one is granted two lands. Um, I don't think there's anyone that has power to look at Lauren's role and say, you're something to go. Like, this relationship isn't working because it's not something that we, it's not happening just at Austin Martin. It's been happening ever since Lawrence Stroll said, I'm going to go into F1. We saw it with, with, with Racing Point and we saw him Facts, coming yeah. into this and it, it was guaranteed that his son was going to be a Formula One driver. And so I, I think it's a detriment. It's a detriment to F1 and it's a detriment to Austin Martin because you could have two seats with two great drivers that are going to, and it's not to say that Lance Stroll isn't good, he is, but he doesn't get the same treatment that everyone else gets. And I think it's so telling when you see him in interviews, for instance, like, oh, what happened? He's like, oh, the rear wing just fell off. Oh, I, I, DNF, whatever, you know, like you see right. he's emotionless and one could argue that he is that way because maybe he, he it's happened so many times that he's, you know, he doesn't feel anything about it anymore. But I could argue that it happens so many times 
if 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 it was because it happened so many times and now he's emotionless, I feel like he would be distraught and you'd see the pain in his eyes of I'm not able to compete. Right. I'm not able to be my best. And he'd be frustrated, like, why is the car constantly doing this? What's happening? And I'm not saying that he's not frustrated because obviously I don't know him personally, but for him to come in so mm, whatever happened, I'm just gonna go have a drink, watch the race, whatever, good for them. You know, for me, it just feels like it's someone that knows this is a guaranteed seat. It's someone that knows that he's safe no matter what happens. And well, damn if you do, damn if you don't. If I score points, I'm amazed, I'm great, I'm happy because that's what I'm here to do. But if I don't, then it's not so really my problem. You know, that's how I feel about it. And it's unfortunate that this is what we've come into. But at the same time, some people are lucky. Some people don't have to um, work as hard as other people. Not that he hasn't worked hard. Maybe he did. But some people just have it handed to them. And I don't think we're going to see Lauren Stroll say, hmm, I'm going to crush your dreams and get you out of this. Um, right. It could be the, the case that people are already talking, maybe, within the team that are like, hmm. This is not going great. And then we could be signing someone else. We could be trying something else. We could be seeing what Felipe could do. You know what I'm saying? And imagine an, 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 an alternate universe where Sebastian Vettel is Fernando Alonso's mm. teammate. Mm. Crazy. Look at the development. Look at the experience. Look at how many kids Vettel has put in Aston Martin than the Hody before. And a much wor a worse Aston Martin than worse the AMR 23. Exactly. Exactly. So he's done it. Fernando Alonso is doing it now. So in an Arsenal universe where you're able to sack the, you know, the son of the owner, you have a much better lineup if you're able to, to get. Imagine if last year Vettel hasn't hadn't retired Ooh. and they wanted Fernando, the deal would have been much easier if you could have said, "Well, Lance, sorry, you haven't been performing to expectations. We feel like we have. Even if it was just like, okay, let's just sign these two for one year, and then if it doesn't work out, Lance can come back." We'll, we'll put him on, on the sideline for a bit, but it's not happening. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, mm -hmm. just because I feel like also it's very hard as a dad maybe to break your son's heart and say, you're not good. I don't think any <laughs> dad wants to say that, and I think the conversations aren't in that tone either. I think they're very much, yeah, I understand. I know it will happen. So if you're not able to hold them accountable, and you own a F1 team, you're just going to keep them there now? Yeah, I, I definitely, definitely would have that conversation. I, I think I would have to. I think it's a bit, I, I think it's a bit unethical of Lawrence to do it that way, especially if that is the case. You're because then what it comes off as is you're okay with owning a team so long as your son gets to play with Formula One cars. Right. That's kind of how it comes off. Cause like you, like you alluded to, his his response and his reaction to when he fails the team and i'm talking about lance is one that is like lack of care or concern like this is just something else that i'm doing so you know so what it happened i'm gonna go back in the trailer pay play f123 see what my yeah. stats are like and i'll see y'all next week you know and that's really how it comes off exactly. he doesn't he doesn't have that concern that damn i let you all down i gotta figure it out i gotta get in the scene i gotta know how exactly. I can do better. He doesn't do that. Even Logan did that, even though he he broke a promise to when right. he came back and wrecked the car in quality and then wrecked the car in the race. I mean, but still he said it. And you can see it on Logan's face. He I think he sincerely meant 
that he knew he had to get better, but yeah. it's often easier said than done. And I think that's the case with Logan. So like talking about Mercedes team, because you by far are to me, you're, you're like a Mercedes authority. I consider you a Mercedes authority. All right. Let's, see, let's get into this because there are some things that are going around. Of course, I've already kind of debunked the whole thing where people say people are saying right now that Mercedes customers teams are doing better with Mercedes parts than Mercedes is. So I had to kind of debunk that and show people like really Aston Martin flashed at the beginning of the season that that kind of has dimmed down. And now you have McLaren flashing now. Right. Yeah. So they're flashing. But Mercedes may not have flashed, but they've been gradually doing well because they have just as many podiums as the other teams yeah. or more. So it may not be a flash, but this the situation is for first of all, Mercedes were in a far off worse situation with their design and the philosophy of the car than either or team of Aston Martin or McLaren. Now they did a turnaround, and Lewis may indeed be about 30-something points away from Checo for drivers two. Yeah, and then Mercedes literally is two in the constructors championship so i just gotta wonder why would people say this but if you were saying this what's your outlook for mercedes knowing what you know now what is your outlook for mercedes in 2024 what are you expecting from them um honestly my expectations are always very high just i don't know why i just always have this positive so much that even coming into the the season i and looking back at it i was wrong i remember being like no way austin martin's fast no way austin martin's faster <laughs> this is just testing guys and it happened that it was. So I think for me, it's just a lot of um, today, for instance, I was looking at the um, Adrian Newey interview that he did, the podcast, and he was talking a lot about the architecture of the car and the reason why they didn't explore the zero pod concept. And his gut feeling was saying, you, as long as you nail this architecture, if you need to change side pods later, you can do it. But if you don't nail this architecture down, that's the problem. That's where everything is going to lie, right? So I think... Knowing what obviously what I've been seeing from Mercedes, which is we can't change the ch the chassis because cost cap, we can't do it. Right. That's the one thing we need to do. We need to work. They've actually made some tweaks, suspension tweaks, body work. We've seen the side pods come to life now. But then merging those two together, so Mercedes not being able to bring a new chassis with they which they want to do it, they would love to do it. And Adrian Newey coming in and saying. You need to nail down the architecture of the car, the geometry inside where the wheels are placed, how that works with the suspension. That makes me understand that Mercedes knows where they got it wrong. So they know what they have to do. One thing is knowing what you have to do, which is, oh, we need more downforce, because you can feel that, you can feel that. But it's another thing to know where you got it wrong and now taking steps to change in that. And I think at this point, maybe it's something that isn't talked about enough, but I think Mercedes knows what they got wrong and they know what they need to do. It just so happens that this year, you can't bring a new car. Right, you it's can't facilitate it. Right, exactly, it's impossible. So for me, I'm just thinking next year, we're gonna be behind because if McLaren has figured out what to do with a car and which direction to go, they're gonna be top two. Right? right? And Red Bull obviously already has two years on top of it. So they're going to continue to be fast. But if we're able to just come into testing with at the same level that McLaren is now, for instance, that we're able to fight for podiums and be at the top, then that's good enough. Because right. development from there, it's only going to be an uphill because you already know what to do, right? And so you already know how the car feels. You already know how, what the car is like, how it reacts, what you do. Because right now we can't add downforce because bouncing comes back. 
So right. there is a lot of things that restrict Mercedes from being gray when they already have the information of where do we go wrong and how to change. That's do you know what I'm going to say, right? So it's like they already know, in my, in my views, I have a feeling that they already know what to do and where to take the W15. Obviously, there are certain things they're still learning. That's why they're still bringing upgrades for this new car. But I haven't, uh, well, from watching them and reading about it and hearing things that they're saying, it's my understanding that they know where they got it wrong. And that is what they're aiming to fix coming into testing. My hopes are that it works, that they actually know. Because last year, it was the same thing. It was, yeah, we got this wrong, but we're going to work on the W13 and upgrade and do this. and then. W14 came and it was still slow. Right. So, um, I'm happy that they have completely changed the philosophy of the design. Yeah, like, this is not going to work. Trash. I mean, obviously, they're not going to trash the car because um, it's there and it's yeah, something that yeah. they probably are developing to take into the W15 a bit, right? But I'm glad that they've said this isn't working. We're done with it. Um, we're going to start from scratch and we're going to do something completely different. And I'm glad that Lewis is being vocal about look at what everyone else is doing. Look right. at every every car besides Ferrari, obviously, every car that started being good after. So Mar McLaren and Austin Martin followed a specific philosophy, mm -hmm. followed a specific route, which was Red Bulls, right? And so if everyone that comes after you that was fighting to get out of q3 when they came in i mean q q1 q1 right yeah they were they were fighting to get out of q1 um is now ahead of you getting <laughs> poles podiums and you're not able to fight them and they follow a certain philosophy is because someone's doing something right Facts. and then after we can figure out how to develop it further we can figure out how to bring upgrades from that but you need to nail that first one thing down and you're already two years behind so I'm kind of glad that they've set that aside and said, yeah, we got it wrong. We need to follow someone else's philosophy and then we'll figure out the rest. So as long as they get that done and then testing, we're, we're good. And then Bahrain, we're good. Then I'm good. I'm hope I'm you're hopeful. hopeful. You could tell you're hopeful. Every time. And, and it bites me in the arse. Every you time. might be oh. worse than Cowboys or Atlanta Falcon fans. Like every oh. year, we're going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> No, but that's me. I don't know why. You just have this lingering feeling of like every single time I'm so positive, like it's gonna be great, it's gonna be amazing. Um, so much that I even just stopped with races when people ask me, like, oh Benny, what do you think this track's gonna be like for us? I ignore that. I'm like, I don't see that. I'm not gonna answer because <laughs> it's just every time I was like, Oh, I think it's gonna be good. And then it's not. And then it's not. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just hoping for next year. I hope next year it's good. Okay. Probably not. <laughs> like we will, but I, I to be fair, to be to be fair, in perspective, you would have more evidence to feel that hopeful than not, because up until these last two seasons, Mercedes has done that. True. So I often tell people two things can be true: like you can be hopeful and very positive because you have every bit of evidence that shows that eight constructor mm -hmm. championships, a seven-time world champion. You know, almost breaking five had it not been for the debacle in 2021. Yeah. So you have the evidence to be hopeful more than not in two seasons. I mean, and I'll tell people all this time, if you can show me one great or any great team that has been great forever, I will give it to you. I'll concede it to you. But you can't show me that. Yeah. Nobody is great forever. No team or dynasty is great forever. It always comes in seasons. And sometimes you just hope that this is a stumble. And like I tell people all the time, you're only making so much noise about Mercedes 
because they're a giant. You don't realize when an ant trips. If an ant falls on his ass, you would never know it. But a giant falls, people feel it, hear it, and or see it. And that's the same thing with Mercedes. So with that being the case, let's talk about driver philosophy. There is a lot of clamor out here. And like George Russell is rubbing people the wrong way. In your, what in your in your in your opinion, is I think that I know people often campaign for Valtteri to come back, but I always tell people there's no future there with Valtteri being Lewis's teammate. Okay, you have to cut one of them, and they're damn sure not going to cut Lewis because he's been the better proven, and even Valtteri says that. So you have to find as much as people don't like to hear it, you have to find a succession plan. You have to invest in your future. Russell is that. But Russell has rubbed people the wrong way in certain times, in certain ways, in certain calls, in certain radio banter. And what do you say to that, Denny? What do you say? There is a real turmoil in the driver's situation in Mercedes. Should Mercedes deploy a real one-two drivers or should they leave it as they've always had it and hope that George grows into the part that they need him to grow into? Because they do need him to grow into it. True. Driver dynamic is so important, but it's such a sensitive topic because you can't talk about number one, number two, without people thinking you're saying this person needs to sit down and not fight. That's that's not it, that's right? True. It's not that you're asking this competitive driver because we know everyone's hungry. We know the reason why you're even in the sport is because you're hungry and you want to be there. And the team happened to see that hunger and that skill and that talent and they put you in that seat. So we know George Russell is just as hungry as any other driver. But there are certain things that you need to take step by step, and that's my opinion. And some of those things are when and how to fight your teammate. Your first competition is quite literally your teammate, yes. But you're competing with your teammate for what? And that's one thing that you need to settle straight when you're in the team meetings. What are you fighting your teammate for? If we put Sergio Perez and Max Verstappen in, in the Red Bull and let's say Perez is performing just as good as Max is, it's everything's, all cards are to be dealt with, right? It's everything on the table. You guys can fight because you're fighting for a driver's championship because right. you're fighting to be number one. It just so happens that you can't, you can't uh, both finish number one. One's always going to be behind, right? So go ahead and fight. But then if your team is not even making into Q3 sometimes. If your team is in P5 every single race and P2, I mean, and P7 and P8, and sometimes even further back, you need to sit down and decide what are your priorities. And right now Mercedes priorities is Constructors Championship. So if your priority is Constructors Championship, why am I making the fuss out of me fighting my, my, my teammate? Does that make sense? And so no. for me, I just think team dynamics and driver dynamics and team orders and having that number one, number two is important because it settles exactly that. Is not so much who is priority, but who is meant to lead the pack. Mm. And it's an example that I use on Monday, on Monday as well is you don't have a wolf pack where everyone leads. Everyone takes the charge. You're not going to go anywhere because people have different mentalities. Exactly. Because people have, because the, the, the wolves themselves are going to have different. One is going to want to go west. The other one wants to go north. The other one wants to go east. You know, and so for you to have someone that is designated number one driver, it's okay. You, you can have order and you can have someone at the top where everyone else follows. Right. 
All right. Mm-hmm. And right now, it seems that if, if it was a rookie-rookie fight, then you'd say, okay, best one is going to be number one driver, which is what happened with Ferrari, right? We don't have a number one driver, which is understandable because, yeah, Charles is great and Charles is baby Ferrari, but coming in, no one had proven anything. So mm-hmm. go ahead and battle it out and then we'll decide. If that was the case with Mercedes, I would understand 100%. Unfortunately, it's not. There is a seven-time world champion, the most successful in the history of the sport. It's not even in this era. It's not in the, in the history of the sport, of everyone that has come before him, right? And that is that's, you can't debate that in any statistics, in any Wikipedia, mm-hmm. right? And so for you to come in into a team that you so wanted to be there, and granted, George Russell did amazing in Williams. That's why he has the seat, and he's fierceness and fearlessness and the way he fights and that's why True. like Toto Wolf said he loves that he's a lion and he's able to fight Lewis I know they took that into account because they want someone to challenge Lewis right because what's a world champion if he doesn't have um, a, a teammate that is up to the standards of world champion and like mm-hmm. you, said, so you need to think about who's gonna come in after Lewis gonna retire soon hopefully not but he's gonna retire soon right. and he's gonna get slow and people are going to be faster than him, which is something that he's accepted and we've accepted because that's just how that's sport just a, is, right? Wow. Exactly. So Mercedes is thinking future, long term. They're thinking who's going to be the next world champion. And I think George Russell has all the qualities to be world champion and to be the next face on Mercedes. However, that is not the time right now. Mm. Not the time now. It's not going to be the time until you have a good car. Facts. Right? That is facts. You're not going to fight for world championship anytime soon if you don't no. sit down and fix the car. Maybe it's not going to come for another 10 years. Right? It could, Maybe be. it could be the case that this is over for Mercedes, God forbid. But if this is the case that it's over for Mercedes and Red Bull is going to be dominated for the next five to six years, George Russell is going to wait for a long time <laughs> before he sees a good car. And so for me, team dynamics right now is important because it helps you maximize the priority and the goals of your team. It's going to help you having straight in your head. And you're going to think before I take this lunge at my teammate and make these radio calls and ask to be prioritized, what is the team trying to do coming into this race? So Japan, coming into Japan, the team goal was we need to be ahead at least of ahead of at least one Ferrari. If you're on an offset strategy in the suboptimal strategy, you know you're not going to be the person to fulfill that goal. Let the other person take charge, right? And that's the reason why you need one driver and and uh, one driver being number one and the other one being number two because someone is able to make those calls. And the example that I use, and I feel like I didn't see a lot of people discuss this, is McLaren, the McLaren duo. Yeah. They, with Lando right. and Oscar right? And Oscar, on the race, they had the same problem. And the same radio message that we heard from Lewis, we heard from, from Lando. Lando. And he said, if we keep this up, because Oscar at some point was in front of, of Lando, and he said, if we keep this up, we're going to lose both positions. Both pos- right. Right. got to switch. That, that is number one driver making a call because he has more experience. He's been on the team for longer. He knows how the team works. He knows he has more pace. Oscar is a rookie, and granted, George Russell isn't a rookie, but you can still put him in a position where he is very much less experienced than Lewis. True. He doesn't know like, the calls that Lewis is able to make. He probably doesn't 
half of the, the capacity. He hasn't been in the position of that to make those calls. <laughs> exactly. The mistakes that he makes today, Lewis doesn't make because he's been in the game, mm-hmm. right? So you need to let someone take charge. You need to be like, okay, cool. I'm going to sit this one out because I don't have the capacity to do it. And that's what happened with Lando and, and, and Oscar. He was like, oh, if we keep this up, we're going to lose both positions. So the Ferrari come in behind or the Mercedes, possibly if Mercedes have played the team game. And right. Oscar said, right. He doesn't have, he has more pace than me. Let's switch because it's for the better of the team. If Oscar hadn't gotten a podium, he would still be happy because Lando would have gotten it. And that's yes. points for the team because you're thinking team. And yes, if you're not winning, then let's think about something that is going to maximize the, right. the results for the team. And I think that's what Mercedes needs to do as well. Because Oscar was happy to say, and Lando showed his face after, right? Yeah, he, uh, yeah facts. He ran. He, uh, he ran off. He he went exactly. off. Same way as Lewis did when he said we're going to lose it, and he got past. He showed like Russell couldn't even defend against Carlos before Carlos overtake him. What do you think was going to happen? Exactly. <laughs> exactly that, and it's those little things of letting Lewis take the charge and be the number one driver that he is and the skilled because he's saying we're going to lose both positions if you waste if you waste time right okay we're going to do team orders and then george goes all right i'll do it down the straight so you're letting you're you're having conflicting opinions right because <laughs> someone's saying we're going to lose both positions if we waste time and then you give team orders so you're not listening to your number one driver or who's supposed to be because you don't have number one driver right mm-hmm. and then you're getting orders from the other driver which are conflicting to what the first person said which is oh yeah okay but let me get to the to the main straight so you're wasting time Thank right? you. you don't have you don't have a stance because you're listening to both at the same time and then the other one passes so team orders happen Lewis passes and then the the one behind says he needs to slow down and give me drs <laughs> So you're telling the other driver, slow down. You need to give DRS to your teammate. And he's like, okay, cool. So he slows down. And then you lose sense of what you want to do as a team. Mm. Because you came into this race saying, we need to be ahead of at least one Ferrari. Cool. You're rid of signs, but you're at risk. And then you have pace to go chase P4, but you're not letting that because you want to. Right. 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 It's like you're constantly playing two sides and you don't have, no one's able to put their foot down and say, no. We are here to fight for P2 for the constructors, and so we need to maximize points. Right now, this driver on the medium tires, on the high tires, sorry, that stopped and is on the two-stop strategy, which is the optimal strategy, has the pace, let him go. Mm-hmm. You're not letting people make those calls. You don't have any sense of authority in your team, and it's looking like they're crumbling because they don't have any of that. And I think for me, it's so important, so important at this stage. Once you have the car, both your drivers are great. They're amazing. They can both fight. If they're at the front, let them fight. If they're both challenging Max, let them challenge Max. And then you can prioritize whoever has the best strategy, who has more pace, whoever qualified first. But right now, when you're qualifying P7, P8, P10, you need structure. You need some sense of structure. Otherwise, every day is going to be a Japan Grand Prix. Oof. Damn. Danny dropping bars right there. Dropping bars right there. I tell you what, drop some bars on this. All right, let's let's work our way into the Red Bull camp. What are your thoughts on the remarks Helmet Marco had about Perez? Not, I mean, the remarks. I mean, multiple times. How do you feel? 
what are your opinion? I don't want to. I don't want to shape any. I want to hear your opinion on that. You mean the racist comments? <laughs> Facts. There you that go. Is, to me, that is insane. To me, it's insane that someone is able to sit down and and honestly, for me, it just represents how comfortable people are with their supremacy mm. that they hold and they know nothing's gonna happen because oh yeah, I can just apologize. It just so happened, it just so happened that someone picked it up and someone talked about it and it became something big. Otherwise, right. it would have just went by. It would have been just another day because this happens every time. For you to be comfortable in saying something like that, because you're competent enough to sit at racist, to advise a team. So so your your brain works and you functions and you you know, because you're in the best of the best teams, right? right? So you're talking with the best engineers and you're understanding and you know who to hire and who to fire so your brain is working it's not that you need to be right the hospital <laughs> and so for you to sit down and give those interviews and say those things because you're thinking those things right. and if you're thinking something like that is because maybe that is what you are and that's what you're made of and it's these wrong things and i feel like once maybe you're naive and you're ignorant and someone says well that's wrong and you're like yeah i apologize and it doesn't happen again because you picked that up and someone told you that and you adapted to the fact that these are archaic ways of thinking and i shouldn't do that right, right. one two three four five six the seventh time it's just you it's just you it's just you and it's unfortunate that we don't have a system that is capable of saying we don't want this type of people in our team. I'm sorry, you are head, you are absolutely great, whatever, we thank you for your service, but this is not what we want to do as a team and you need to go out, like you need to leave. Um, I don't think F1 is gonna get to that anytime soon. That sucks. Um, yeah, it, it sucks, but then you see that being perpetuated in our spaces, in, in mm. black content creators and content yeah. creators the way, evidence the way they're treated and and i have a feeling that is a very supremacist view of people of the way they look at someone of color saying something and someone that has their white counterpart saying something then they choose to attack that one person that they know they have power over that they feel they do definitely that they feel they do right because that is still something you grew up with the sport still allows you to, you know, the sport still allows you to do that because you see your role model doing the same things and saying the same things. And so you think, mm, I could get away with I it. Away with it. <laughs> exactly. And so I think it's unfortunate. Um, I don't think he should be in the position of power. I don't think for as much as he's great, I think he should have been let go a long time ago. It's I agree. Last time. And then see how people hug him and cuddle him and still hide him behind the screen saying, oh, he doesn't work for Red Bull Racing. What the, that was so, that was shenanigans. <laughs> Those were shenanigans. Different, because he's advising every every day. He's talking about, he's talking to your drivers. He hires your drivers. He mm -hmm. pays a salary. He gives interviews for Red Bull Racing. If he doesn't work for Red Bull Racing, why are you letting him speak so much? Why is he the spokesperson? Exactly. And so you see, these are just ways to cover up. These are just ways to say we are not accountable. We do not care. That is a you problem. If you're offended, that's a you problem. This driver is gonna sit here, get in the car, and drive because we pay his salary. And it's unfortunate because I feel like someone like Jekyll would probably want to speak out, probably appreciated the support as well. 
of people that came out and spoke about it and called it out. Mm. But that's the world that we live in. Okay. I'll tell you what, as we round third base, hold ahead in the home plate, I'm going to ask you this. Now, people are entitled to their opinions. You mm -hmm. and I are entitled to our opinions. Oftentimes, more often than not, versus some people that just rant, you come with very nice the stats, what we call receipts. All right? And all oftentimes, right. you come with receipts. Those that don't come with receipts usually just uh, lean towards personal insults through the comment section or the live chat. There are people that and I think it happens too often that we just throw this great card and just badge people great without yeah. comparing what what have those that we consider great done. Let's look at what they've done. And then should we really be calling this person great yet? Mm -hmm. People would say right now in today's time, matter of fact, today, after we get done, that Max Verstappen is the greatest driver in Formula One history. Right. To me, it's utterly ridiculous to even say such a thing. Now, I often say that he's on his way. You know, he's definitely an elite driver. He's definitely a good driver. He's a very he's a very good driver doing what a good driver is doing with a very great piece of machinery. And he should do. It would be an indictment if Max wasn't just like people indict Perez for that mm -hmm. same thing in the RB19. Mm -hmm. But to me, Max is not great yet. Uh, and I say for several reasons. I say because, you know, a good bulk of his records came from the fact that Nico and Lewis crashed out and he acquired the youngest ever in three categories. And then now the winning streak of one up and Seb only and then to get derailed by Ferrari in that next race. So to me, it's not great. Do you think Max Verstappen is great? And if so, do you think he's greater than Lewis at this point in time? No, no that is a loaded question by the way <laughs> no um, okay. that is in to me it's so insane because i feel like there are certain things that you can't dispute and one of them is there's only one driver okay those two but there's only one driver with as many records as lewis hamilton has is max verstappen great he is great he's very good he's skilled there's a reason why he's even he was even in the sport so early because he was good, right? And there's a reason why he's able to handle the car. There's a reason why a team invests in a driver like that, right? Because they could have said, we're going to go Paris direction because Paris likes the car differently. And they would have invested in Paris. There's a reason why Max Verstappen is the star of the show. And he's getting, he got the machine. He has the team. He's winning now and he's breaking all these records. And he's on his way to his third world champion. <laughs> but but for you to call someone great first you need to be throwing whoever's there that's my opinion right that's how i see it for you because because formula one isn't like let's say swimming for example i used to be a swimmer and for swimming there is obviously the greatest because you have acquired the most olympic medals because in swimming um, Olympics is the greatest sport you can compete compete in. There's world champions and there's Olympics. And then obviously you have your nationals and your international um, um, competitions. But then in swimming, you have so many different categories. You have butterfly, you have breaststroke, you have backstroke. Wow. And then in each stroke, you have uh, the 100 meter, the feet, 50 meter, 25 if it's a long, long right. uh, short course pool right the the 200 the 400 the, you know so you have all, all these categories, categories where you can say i'm great because all i swim is 50s 
all I swim is hundreds. And so I am great because all the records are mine. I win all of these and I'm oh one of the best, whatever it is. And then you can get five Olympic medals in just that one specific event and you're great. But Formula One only has one championship. Oof. There's Oof. only one championship that every driver competes for. You can't say, oh, this one is on a different championship and he's great in Formula right? On the speed it's trap just... championship. <laughs> Right, there's there no such any, thing. Right, there isn't any of that. So you're sitting with 20 drivers on the grid, 10 teams, they're all fighting for the same thing. And the only way you're going to be great is, yeah, you're good right now because you're winning. But for you to be the greatest in the sport and the great and all of that, you need to defend whoever came before you. And I haven't seen Max doing that. Mm. I haven't seen Max doing that head-to-head. -head. There I it is. Seen, I haven't seen Max doing that statistically. Mm. Right, it is. one thing for him to be, oh, let's say he now has eight world championships. Yeah, he's the greatest historically. And then there's another thing, which is going head to head with the actual great. Right. I haven't seen any of it. So how can I say Max is the greatest ever in the in the in the in the in the history of Formula One when one statistically he's not there? He's one of the greats, yes, because he's now approaching. He's going to get, hopefully not, but if he gets four, then he's equal. Equal Seb which is considered a Great. legend sport, right. right? So we need, definitely, we need to put Max in, in, in that table. We need to start talking about Max Verstappen. And right. even if he stops at three or four, people will talk about Max Verstappen in following years and when other Just drivers... Just like Alonso. Exactly, right. Just like Alonso, because he's a great driver, but he only has two. Two. Well, not only. It, it is a lot. It's yeah. a, an accomplishment, <laughs> right? Yes, yeah, two, right. So, right. He is in that conversation. He's on that table. He's sitting with greatest of the greatest. But for you to say greatest of the sport, pause. Hold I'm going to need to put a comma there, right? Because the greatest of the sport has seven titles, 103 wins, 104 poles. You're nowhere near that. Mm -mm. There are certain things that you've beat. Yeah, longer streak. Yeah, da -da 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 -da. at the end of the day, it's not about who's winning for longer. Is who's won the most. Most. Boom. And Facts. I can't say you are the greatest in the history of Formula One when you don't make even like, I don't know maths, but like I'm going to say a random number, like not even 5% of the greatness that has been made for someone else, that someone else has made for themselves. And yet it's, it's a man and machine thing. I don't agree too much with that. Oh, it's just the car thing because you do need no, to have a No, it's a combination car. for sure. Exactly. It's a combination. If you don't have a car and you have skills, you're not able to put it on pole. But then if you have the car and you don't have the skill, then you're also not able to put it on pole. Right. Right? It's a combination. You need both. And Max has both right now. Lewis doesn't have it. But we saw a time where they both had it. And how and did we it... saw what happened. You, you know. And how did it end? 10 exactly. to 14 seconds getting gapped in one race. I'm not going to say which race that was, but we saw it. <laughs> we saw it. And we saw it's And the last race wasn't even just it and mm -hmm. you need to think about champion mentality in the sense that you got disqualified you're still in p20 <sighs> crazy drive. And you're winning that race crazy that, drive that's not just a car that is skill, that that is is a skill. That and that is a driver with a cutthroat mentality because he could have said it's done we're we're done for i'm out of here forget it pull Max it in roll it up yeah, maximum we can get is a p5 and now we're not going to win the next races and it was so insane because from that point forward you needed to win four races 
and that man did it. He did it. He did it with a machine, and you could tell Red Bull's car was superior. And I know this is a debate that goes around. Yeah, but Mercedes won too many races. Bro. The car was superior. Red Bull had a superior car in 2021. They did. Oh, yeah. I see it, right? Yeah. And so you had to go in the car and say, I need to win these last four races. Qatar was insane. No one was expecting that, right? And so you need to be on that level for you to be considered great. Agreed. So you need Agreed. to be on that head-to-head, -head, win fair and square, and then you need to equal the stats and pass the stats. That's how I see it. I don't argue with anyone. Anyone wants to come chit-chat, yeah, we can talk skill. We can say Max is great right now. I'm happy to look at his driving style and talk about it, analyze it, because I personally analyze driving styles of a lot of drivers. Mm -hmm. I look at their data. I'm happy to have that conversation. But once you start crossing the he's better than, sorry, mm -hmm. that's not a done deal. I'm not going to argue because what is it that you're basing off? Thank you. Right? So tell me what you're basing off. Because if you're talking about skill, then we can talk about skill for ages. Because Lewis has been doing this since 2007. Rookie season coming in, fighting for a world championship. And yet, Legitimately. Legitimately. He got the car, but there's a reason why he got the car. Because, because he was that he damn good and the greatest teams wanted him. That's why. Exactly. <laughs> and, and it's circumstances of yeah someone retired and Montoya left early and it was unexpected and they needed someone but then it's it's not just needing someone it's who is there when you need someone right who's prepared for this opportunity anywhere. exactly who could you could have gotten absolutely anyone but then if you look at people and you need a replacement and you say Denny you go it's because I have something that you haven't seen in in other people, in the right. other ones that are there waiting, right? And so trying to discredit someone, um, trying to put someone above, like Max, above Lewis, um, my question is, what are you basing it off? Because right now Max is great, yes, but Lewis is behind. And you haven't seen what Lewis is capable of doing in this era of cars with a good car. Mm -hmm. Right? He hasn't equaled any, not even half of the statistics that Lewis has which is the wins and the polls right. and and the championships. And if he does one day, then maybe we're going to revise this chat and we're going to talk about it again. But at this moment, Lewis Hamilton is still the greatest Formula One driver this earth has ever seen. And there it is, mic drop. I don't, I'm not going to even try to battle that. I, I fully agree with you. It, it doesn't have to be Max. It doesn't have to be Lewis. I, I, I agree with the premise, that whole setup, because it is, is true. I often tell people, if you really want to find out something about a company or a product, don't waste your time just reading all of the good reviews. Read the bad reviews. Those are going to tell you. See if those bad reviews are legitimate. See if you can really make connections. And I think it says something even more so about Lewis Hamilton and his character, his integrity, his personality, and his will to want to win. Yeah. To be in a car that is subpar, that has been horrible for two seasons, two and a half going. It's going to, it's going to go on two and a half seasons. It's, it's been horrible. And yeah. yet he said you know what i can't win but you know what i can do i can figure out why i'm not winning so that i can win again and that takes a lot of depth in somebody's soul inside of their psyche their mental health all of that to come from where he came from to go through what he went through in 2021 to bounce back and then have a horrible season due to design but yet still chip away at the ground to say i'm going to get there again i have to be prepared when the time comes so i completely agree i do agree so i tell you what tell these awesome people where they can come see denny where they can come support you where they can come see the awesome 
tweets that she does during every Grand Prix. She's awesome at that. Well, far better than I am. Thank you know, you. Denny, tell them where they can come see you. You guys can find me on Twitter or X, however you call it, at FIA Girly. That is my handle, and that's where I provide all my race updates. Race weekends, sometimes not non-race weekends as well, because I feel like there's also always something juicy in the F1 community. But Twitter, at FIA Girly. And that is it, you all. And it is awesome, definitely. If you uh, And I say this not to be horrible to Formula One, but there are a lot of people out there uh, you you stop watching Formula One because of whatever your reasons are. If you do want to support somebody and you don't want to support Formula One, that's fine. Support people like Denny. Support Denny. She can keep you updated with all the race updates, the things that are happening. It's a way for you to still stay connected with the sport and by way of supporting not only a content creator, but not only a black content creator, but a woman in the space of Formula One that does a phenomenal job of what she's doing. So, you know what I always tell you all? This is Performance Talk. I'm Wolfpack. I'm Jay. That's Denny. We will be with you all again whenever she has time, whenever that is. Don't don't rush me on it. It doesn't happen. Greatness doesn't come around that often. It's kind of like Haley's comment. When it comes around, you better enjoy it. But with that being said, we are about to be out of here. Peace and love. Y'all take so care. Much. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for watching another episode of Wolfpack Performance. Don't forget to check out some of my other content on Formula One and motorsports topics. Like, share, subscribe, and we go live on the weekends. See you soon.